taking a bitch in my lap. That completes the order. However you wanna go, do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever makes you happy. What's up, black people? It's Stray Yak. No motherfucking chaser. Been gone for a minute. Now I'm back with a jump off. Last week was technical difficulty. Um, shit happens, I guess. Like I said before, um, Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Last week I had a plan. Had a dream that I was going to get that episode up, but it didn't work out like that. So it's August. I had a whole plan for August. I got punched in the mouth. Guess what? Tuesday, August 9th, 2016. And exactly two years after the police in Ferguson, which is right outside of St. Louis, shot and killed my brother. So this week, I figured I would take time to revisit. Um, Two years ago for me and for a lot of people in St. Louis and in Ferguson. So this week, my sister, <laughs> is will be joining me and we will be talking a little something, something about Ferguson. We can access it ever anyway. Welcome, soul sister, to Straight Yak. Introduce yourself. Hey, hey, it's Ariel. Um, better known to Princess and everyone else. That's Cookie. I'm going to have a little chatter, chatter, chit, chit with my sister today. Thank you for having me on there. You had several chatter, chatter, chit, chit. <laughs> we got to give you the uh, edited bit. Chatter, <laughs> chatter, chit, chit. <laughs> Can't give you the whole thing, but a piece of it. Um... We were talking not long ago about a lot of the, you know, post-August 9th, 2014 um, activities that are going on. Um, some positive, some negative. I went from negative to positive, and it's all good. <laughs> So, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those, you know, when I think about such a pivotal day for, you know, black people in modern times, I remember on this night, 2014, like what I was doing, like when I found out, like, you know, like it was a Saturday, I think, and yeah, I was having me a good old time. I think I probably had brunch and bottles, mimosas, and I went to the concert. If you haven't already, you should definitely look up um, King, three women that were signed by Prince. I don't know what happened to King post-Prince, but they're somewhere killing the game, I'm sure. They had a little concert in D.C. I think it was the first one. So I'm cute. <laughs> you can't tell me shit. <laughs> I was too cool for school that day. Um, I went out that night and, like, kicked you with King afterwards and had pictures. And somewhere I could pull up a picture where I looked like I was in the fucking group because I looked good. <laughs> okay. 
As per usual. Anyway. <laughs> I had a good time. Like, and then it's like, you leave the concerts, you don't put up all the videos and snippets and whatever on social media. And then I start scrolling through my timeline and I start to see this, like, story about, like, Earlier today, the police killed a young black man, and you know, all of these like different stories emerge. Like, oh, he was robbing the store. Oh, he was like, oh, he stole some cigarettes. Like, I mean, it was so many. I don't even remember how many. It was, yeah. it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> It was just a mess, and it was just so much that was going on, and I mean, I think everybody just kind of saw all these events slowly unfold throughout the day and into the evening, and of course, the hashtag Ferguson becomes a trending topic. And everybody is tracking the news and, you know, on social media on the Ferguson. And I don't even, what, what, what happened Saturday night? Was that the night? I mean, the night of the actual march, I mean, really, it was, people don't understand, it was a vigil. Like, it wasn't even like an aggressive protest. People were literally just mourning. That night, just going to the spot where he was shot to mourn, just coming together, something that you really had never seen in St. Louis. Like, everybody was just coming together mourning this child. It didn't get aggressive to the cops. They would cops show up with dogs and shit where people's intentions are already heightened. That's when things go left. So, I mean, they really agitated the situation, and that's pretty much how all hell broke loose. Most people only see the story of the getting burned down and all of that stuff, not understanding what caused it and what this really started out as. It started out as a, it was just like a march to a vigil. That's it. That went left. And as a result, turned into a series of protests. So when I hear terms like, yeah, violence broke out, it's like, no, that ain't even what it was. But Ferguson PD obviously made it that way. And hence you have Ferguson. Hashtag hands up, don't shoot all of that. So it's just crazy how to be right. Hands their own narrative. Hands up, don't shoot was the hashtag. That was the hashtag. That was started by Brother Shaheed, actually. He's still very active, you know, one of the elders. Um, that was his thing. And that's what sparked all that. So now people have gotten away from the hashtag. <laughs> And not use anymore, but that's what kicked all of this off. So yeah, I mean, it's just literally, and I feel like this is the thing. Oftentimes, people feel like I don't know. Um, this happens in cities all over the country. It happens in small towns, small towns, rural areas urban areas and it's like the difference I think between these other cities and it happened like you have like right now in Chicago like I saw I think it was July 28th if my memory serves me correct that Paul O'Neill was shot and killed by 
Chicago Police Department. And I saw the article and I said something, but it was like, during the time, like, actually, I think I posted on Facebook and I was just like, man, fuck CPD, yo. Because that's my, like, perpetual feeling about CPD because CPD ain't shit. Like, the list of them ain't shit runs on and on and on. It doesn't start anywhere near or end with, like, the crime McDonald. It doesn't start or end with, with, um, Paul O'Neill. Like, what was it? Like, uh, what was that? Was it last year that they revealed that CPD had been running, um, this spot in Holman Square where they were, like, unjustly, unlawfully arresting people, but not really arresting them, and taking them to home and square, and like holding them for days on end without booking them or putting them on paper, and then it's just like randomly releasing them back in the street. And then their friends and family is just like, bro, where the fuck you been? And like, how do you explain? Because you don't even know exactly where the fuck you were. Like, I right. think that was last year. I don't I think, think that it was two years ago. I think it was last year that that shit happened. And it's like, that's just, and, I mean, and then it was last year that, quote unquote, Chicago, the city of Chicago, Cook County paid out, quote unquote, some people labeled it reparations for the <laughs> victims of police brutality that were fucking terrorized in the 70s and the 80s by CPD. Like, that's crazy. Oh my God. It's when and then like I honestly because of like self care purposes like have not watched the video of Paul O'Neill in Chicago. I haven't really read any articles. I just don't have the capacity to deal with it. I don't. I just you don't. Can't. You can't. And it's like the thing is people want to expect you to be on all the time and something happens. They want to catch. Did you see this? Did you see that? We know what's happening, but sometimes we gotta pull back and just breathe. Like you have to really take a moment for yourself. So this shit can fuck you up, especially when you've been out there like you, interacted, been out here in the streets, and you know what they're capable of and things like that. So it's also triggering to see this shit back to back. So no self care is self care is most people don't understand how we really just don't fuck with the state and the police because they haven't had those direct experiences. And it's not like a badge of honor or something in particular where you just kind of like, well, fuck the police and I'm saying that because, you know, insert this reason. It's like so many different reasons. And it's like, when you look at, um, I think when you look at a city like Chicago, like why are like why is there more being done? Why is there more attention being brought to it? And a large part of it is, is because there's no specific community in Chicago who's taking a stand, who is consistently, you know, standing up and saying something about like this being an injustice or issue. And that's kind of like what happened in Ferguson. Like people were just like, wait a minute, hold on. You know what I mean? And like you said, people start coming together and that's something that they never do because it was just that wrong that everybody could kind of come together and look at each other like, this shit ain't right. <laughs> and I have to the channel back. Like Ferguson, Ferguson and the municipalities uh, connected to it, Ferguson, Hazelwood, Florida, those are the places that when you talk to St. Louis and who live in the city, they try to they always try to avoid driving through because you know you're gonna get pulled over. You know you're gonna get fucked with. It's a gimmick. 
So with these things happening for years and years and folks accepting it as part of life, it just it was that breaking point. Like, this is some bullshit. That's what been me as many times as I've drove through Ferguson or this, that, and the third and got fucked with. No, this is some bullshit. So it's just, it just, everybody, every city has to have their breaking point. Every city has a Ferguson in them. It's just a matter of when that shit's going to go down and how it's going to go down. And I would think Chicago would have been turned the hell up. But everybody's breaking point is just a little different. And some folks ain't about this life. People don't want to do this shit. They don't see a need for it. And I get that, but it's like, God damn, when do you get tired? Like, that tired, this is some bullshit, I'm done. I can die for this tired. And a lot of people ain't there. I'm really trying to figure out, like, what the fuck is going on in Baltimore. Is it lead in the water, the paint on the walls? Like, I'm confused because, you know, it's like, they had their breaking point, but then I feel like mm-hmm. all of the teachers and pastors and community leaders were, you know, sent to pacify people and send them back in the house. You know what? Um, That's true. That is last true. year yeah. when, you know, like last year because they had, they were able to study and learn from like Ferguson and where they literally like immediately dispersed people into the community to be like, oh, you know, like, and people that look like us. To be like, oh, you should go in the house and there's a curfew because I mean there were curfews in Ferguson, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. you didn't have any right to put you know them people on, on curfew, and it's like when I was in Baltimore and they were like curfew, I was like, are we are we people to go inside? <laughs> and you literally yeah. had like people from the communities out there like telling all the youngins because, you know, the youth are the main people that stayed outside all night. And but divide and conquer is real too, though. And that shit pops in early too. You figured out who the loud ones were, who the most aggressive ones were, and you dangled nice tiny things in front of them. So you had that aspect. Or if it wasn't getting distracted with nice tiny things and having them go and speaking in all these different cities, sliding them down so they think they've done something, you got people right now that are still facing felony charges from protests back in 2014 in St. Louis. So a lot of it is people's livelihoods have been fucked up and damn near destroyed. So folks are trying to figure out how to get them back, how to survive, how many years am I getting ready to do for a highway shutdown. So there's a lot of that. And people's addresses being published on these right-wing websites where they've had to move, got fired from their jobs, just trying to figure out how to get back to just normal sustainability. So it's a lot of that that's gotten people down, too, and folks don't understand. People are still dealing with shit that happened in 2014 now. And you already know about Josh. You know, he's serving an eight-year sentence right now. And folks still trying to fight for him for standing up after the Antonio Martin shooting. So it's just a lot of different factors that have fucked up this fight. I don't say fuck up the fight, but it's really taken some of what you would call the more aggressive and vocal soldiers out. And it's just people trying to figure out how to regroup from that and how to just process that. That's really difficult. And honestly, I feel like a lot of us just literally have not processed or begin to process, like, what happened during, you know, like, that period, like, that long period of time, like, that first year, really, because that first year, everybody was, like, on the ground and doing community work, like, 
all right. the time. All the time. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. we spent that whole fall and winter shutting shit down all the time. Like, right. the the Thanksgiving shutdowns, the Christmas shutdowns, the, you know, like, New Year's. The Kim, Kim, Hale, Kim, 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 um, I met, I met hella people from Lost Voices and, um, and Lost Voices is, of course, like one of the, you know, grassroots groups that emerged, um, doing all this in Ferguson. And it was just like the people that were on the ground every night that were, you know, like, now, like, you know, like really put it in the work and like really the voice of the majority of people that were represented in the street. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Which is, you know, the reason why it like, you know, the name of our voices or whatever. Because you have so many people that emerge, you know, after like after August ninth, twenty fourteen as like spokespersons for, you know, Ferguson hmm. St. Louis, and it's like, who the fuck are you? Where did you come from? And who sent you? you? You know what I mean? And it's like, oh. for me, um, how I ended up in Ferguson was, um, uh, let's see, that happened on a Saturday, I think that Tuesday. Um, yeah, my three days after. Um, my, uh, my sis, who was shot in the head by a low caliber bullet one night when she was out, you know, like filming and documenting, you know, everything that was going on. And during that period, like I wasn't sleeping at all. Like I was basically up 24 hours a day, monitoring everything, you know, like talking to people that I had, you know, um, identified that were on the ground and like doing all this stuff. And we were organizing, trying to, you know, come down there. But once Luke was shot, I was like, oh, fuck it. Like, I'm I'm definitely going. And um, at this organizing meeting, these people were trying to put together a bus. That fell through. Um, afterwards, it was just like, okay, we got some people that really want to go. Who's down? I ended up linking up with four complete strangers that day. And we rented a car got in the car and drove from D.C. to St. Louis. Absolutely probably one of the most craziest things I've ever done in my life. I do not know these fucking people. Right. <laughs> Going into a war zone. Literally. And I don't know if I knew exactly what the fuck that I was getting into. And it's like, we got in the car. We ride. I mean, complete strangers. I had not known these people for 12 hours. Never seen them before. Like. Ever. It was me, three other women, yeah. and one male. And that male, of course, was Chuck. And everybody in the movement, for the most part, knows Chuck's ass because Chuck is he's there right now. On the ground, in your face, <laughs> with true. the camera, like, doing it. Yeah. And Chuck That's blew the fuck out of us. Chuck <laughs> 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 blew the fuck out of us when we was in Ferguson because it was like, 
the thing was what I discovered when we got down there was the fact that like during the day first one was something that I had never seen and never thought would ever happen again in the black community. Like the way that that all of y'all came together organically and just started supporting each other and you know what I mean? Like like a city wide block party almost. Yeah. Crazy. Literally. Like the first day we got down there, it was kinda like a low key family reunion. That was right. like spread out along a whole little like stretch. And it's like the quick trip that was burned down, I remember what was it, Liberty Park? Right. Well it was right at Canfield. Um the quick trip was right there at Canfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like um, ground zero. It was a spot. We yeah, so we rolled up on ground zero. I remember seeing old and young people that or that had been organized to like clean the whole area, pick up the trash and everything. There's like trucks and tables that people just brought out their house or whatever to set up with water. Somebody had them got the little kiddie pool and filled it with water and ice. They had food. They had bottles of water. They had pontos in case it rained. It's like I walked up and people was like, "Hey sis, take whatever you need." They was cooking yeah. on the grill by the pump. They had voter registration like, booth, a Tibetan monks made a trip and came through. Like it was crazy. It was. I mean, they was cooking. It was just like everybody. You know, if you're hungry, you come get whatever you need. I'm just like, where's the food coming from? Just where's this water come from? Just people who pitched in and did what they had to do, you know what I'm saying, to sustain people while they were out there. Because it wasn't a lot of options. That rank-ass McDonald's was open. A burger joint. And that was pretty much it. And so they were providing food. It's like, we out here, people need food, people need water, we got it. What do you mean? We got ponchos. Ponchos. They had ponchos because it kept raining. It tasted rain, see? Ponchos. Like, I was like, yo, this is so crazy. Even when we went by Ferguson PD, it was people out there that had snacks and water set up. I was like, yo, this, I've never just seen us come together. You know what I mean? Like, whatever money, whatever resources, your food stamps, your check from work, whatever it was, people, people just did not came. Care. I got my hair braided. I got my hair braided on one morning by a complete stranger. My braid, it was, it was like 100 degrees outside. It was so hot. It's braided my hair. Now, you know, typically it's just going to charge you a good 25, 30 for some mess like that, but it was just all minimal. That's why it's so crazy when folks try to describe Ferguson and what happened out there. This violent place, and it's like you don't understand. But people don't we talk about it. People don't talk about it because because people never saw that, and they only depend on what they saw on the media. And one of the reasons why I went out there one because my sister was shot in the fucking head, and the police drafted this whole narrative that you know it was gang related, and it's like damn, it wasn't even no type of activity like that going on during that time because everybody. The blood and like came together out there. Like, those photographs of them together, like, protecting businesses. Yeah, we all, we got, bro. So that's why I think that this is where social media really came into play. I know folks don't care for it now. Now, y'all, social media, this, that, and the third, but it's like the only reason we could tell our story was because of Facebook and Twitter. Because otherwise, you had CNN walking around during the daytime looking bored as fuck, but wasn't nothing popping off. 
They wanted action. They wanted fire. As soon as night, yo, you know what was crazy as fuck? I don't know if it was the first night we was out there or the second or whenever it was. Like, right across from the McDonald's, you know how, like, it's the strip of shops that's right there on the left and the right. And there was, like, these gated areas that they had in the back. And one night I discovered that behind the gate, all these media people had set up. Like yeah. all these shots. Because I saw, like, I saw one of the big gates open up and them, like, walk out one night. And I was like, what the fuck? And it's like, they were back there. Police was back there. And it's like, even the way that, I mean, it was just so crazy to me because people are like, oh, you know, talk about Ferguson and your experience there. And it's like, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in regards to black people just being unified during the day. The shit that, you know, we read about in books, you know, like this must have been what um this must have been what Dr. King and them was doing. You know what I'm saying? Like that all that romanticized kumbaya shit that we have in our head that we feel like black people can't do anymore. Oh right. Niggas can't do that. You know that niggas can't come together. People were doing yeah. that. And, it, and the thing about it was, it was the people of St. Louis and Ferguson. It wasn't really, you know, like all the outside people, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was y'all doing. It was the hood. And I was the hood. The same people that folks write off and call hood or welfare recipients, hood rant, whatever. Everybody was out there together. It was just beautiful. And of course, you know, right. what I learned, when we come together and we got something that beautiful, it can't stay that way. They can't let us just fucking have that. We're not allowed people to People with good jobs, people with no jobs, yeah. married, people single, people divorced, people shacking up, like people young, people old, like babies, teenagers. Yeah, got made you know what I'm there. saying? <laughs> and it's like, I never forget the first night that we was out there, you know, that, like, I was kind of like, I don't even know if I was, I, I wasn't scared. I was bewildered by like the literal war zone that it was because during the day it was so peaceful and serene and love. And then it's like, as soon as it started getting dark, it like, it just completely changed. Oh, it's and I'm, you said what? The cops came to play. They brought them toys out at night. It was like, all right, it's enough of this bullshit. Man, I mean, they was even walking around with them joints like before, before dust. Like, like my sister, right? My sister, yeah, I got man. We was walking down the block right past the quick trip, and like on the same side of the street, and. We rolled into this fucking officer. They just had an M16 standing there, broad daylight. Like, and she just stood there and she stared at him and she was just like, why? Like, what, like, what is this for? I think I had the buttons, Lord. <laughs> we was doing um, too much. We was, we was celebrating. We were, we was coming together and loving on each other too damn much. And it's just, it's so crazy to read the stories. And even now, we come up on a two-year anniversary, it is. And the news story, I mean, the article's already coming out about, yeah, and 
they rejected the, you know, the tactics of the 1960s. They started coming with love. They came with aggression and anger. Like, y'all are still trying to paint this picture even two years it later. It wasn't that. Of how horrible we all, were. And that's the reason why, that was, that was a large part of the reason why I went. Because we have to control our own narrative. And the only way that you can control it is for you to go see for yourself if that's at all possible. And it was like, that was, it just so happened to be a possibility for Ferguson yeah. because it was a live war zone for a minute. And I don't think a lot of people understand that it was a war zone. And it's no. like, you know, a life was lost tragically, tragically. Killed by a cop. The cop was protected. It was just wrong from the beginning. Like, no matter how you slice the story, it was wrong from the beginning. It just was. Because when it, it, it doesn't matter how you slice it, how you try to make whatever rationale. At the end of the day, for all of these stories, like, corn game. Like, somebody asked me, like, oh, how do you feel about it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was like, listen, it really doesn't matter what I believe or how I feel. At the end of the day, despite what she did or didn't do, if she was not a black person, she would still be alive. I wish she would. I'm sorry I love her for all the criticism about her. I'm sorry. I'm like, y'all want to talk about soldiers? And fighters, but it doesn't even matter if she fought or not. It doesn't matter what she did or how she did it, what she said or what she didn't say. How she what like it doesn't matter if she wasn't a if she wasn't black, she would still be alive. How many yeah. videos, news stories, posts, pictures, whatever can we dig up? from where white people have actually shot at the police first or the fucking armed standoff that they had on federal property. Oh, my goodness. With the police in fucking, um, what was that? Oregon. Oklahoma? That was or- Oregon. I mean, right. Fucking Oregon. Oregon. Right. One of, them, one of them old states where people of, of color don't fucking live. Oregon. These folks requested snacks. They did that shit for not a call week. for snacks. They sent out a call for snacks. This is how comfortable they were with knowing it wasn't going to pop off. Like, they were coming crazy. and going and all types of shit. Right. And they talking all crazy shit forever. And nothing happened to them. And it's like, we've seen videos where the where white people have shot at them. Where white right. people have attacked them. Like, I mean, the list goes on and on about how white people have responded to police. And they have walked away with their life. Every time. Yes. And even with that fact, the sense was crazy. People were still found a way to, well, if we just, well, if we just, well, we shouldn't have, well, we shouldn't have. It's like, how long will even black folks accept us being gunned down? Like, I don't, it's so crazy that even we still fight against us with all the facts, the smartphones, everything. Like, it's just, it's crazy to me. And it's just, it's like, what is it going to take? And I mean, with Ferguson, they were quick to tell their story, because obviously folks know that, you know, since 2014, Ferguson now has a black police chief, 
took the former step down and a black state manager. And, you know, you had Stephanie Carr, you know, who was a um, attorney there that was known for prosecuting, trying to prosecute protesters and things. She sat down at the, it was to her house a few times and protested. So folks are like, oh, okay, see, we good. Looks like y'all, no, 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 we're too easily pacified. Like, don't take these little trinkets. They ain't shit. They are still fucking us up. So we need more of y'all to wake up again. Like, it's so important. And I even think that's important where folks like you come in at. Because there were a lot of us that just ran out and got, you know, caught up in the fire and the hype of the protest. But it's like, you do have to take the time to research and learn your history to see what mistakes were made and what you don't want to repeat and why things happen the way they do. So you have the full concept of what it is you should be doing here. So you don't just burn out. But right now, there's definitely a lot of burnout because of what people have experienced and were not prepared for. So then you got that. Man, listen, plus the police. I mean, <laughs> we were literally. We were literally in. Uh, I mean, and you know, I have a tattoo on my body that says "fuck twelve and it's like in these days and time, it's it. really funny because not only do you know, like the police shoot and kill us, then they like out here saying, "Oh, we we killed the police," and you know, like we shot at them and all, all this crazy. Oh shit. lord! Like the oh, situation lord. in Dallas and Baton Rouge. I don't believe any of that because I don't honestly, either. It's so many people. Like it's easy for them to. For for the state for the government to pin Princess Black as a as a cop killer, simple. But they got the pictures that they can pull up from these protests, with you know you know fist up fight back. It's so many clips of me being like fuck the police. I'm anti. You know what I'm saying? Dude. Oh, they, they would paint you up real quick. They would have. You know what I'm saying? It's you. nothing for them to print a story. Nothing. It's nothing for. It would take them less than a minute to draft the whole story to to be like, oh yeah, she did X, Y, and Z. And it's like when you look at. I don't know if I told you, but ever since um, Afeni Shakur made her transition, I've been reading on and off. Um, this book that Jasmine Guy wrote with her about her life. It's called um, A Feature Core Evolution of a Revolutionary. And it talks about, you know, like her upbringing, her move to New York, her high school period, how she kind of transitioned into her consciousness and ended up being in the Black Panther Party, her role yeah. in that, her husband in that, how she got, you know, caught up in the whole um, uh Panther 21 joint in New York, and a lot of people don't really know about Panther 21, but when I when I was reading the stories about, like, how her and, like, one of her really good girlfriends was caught up in the Panther 21, it was like, oh, my God. And it was, like, right before this shit happened in Baton Rouge, in Dallas, with them saying, oh, this brother in the Dashiki who studied, you know, under Professor Grid or he killed these cops, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And we blew him up with a fucking ro- robot bomb. The fuck? Who has these ready-made robots? First of all, where y'all getting these? These robots are just chilling. Where are y'all getting these joints from that fast? I'm out my mind. But apparently, a lot. Uh, apparently, a lot of TDs across the state actually have these fucking robot bombs. So where the fuck are these robots? Where are these robots when these white boys are shooting up? Whatever, waving their guns. Like I'm, I'm confused with how the robot just happened to pop up in Dallas. 
a day or two after two different shootings on tape where clearly the officer was in the wrong and we all started to come together. How does that work? Like, I'm sorry, I'm just having trouble. I'm having trouble buying it. I'm I'm a hard sell. I don't get it. It's crazy as fuck because literally when I think about the Panther 21 and um, these stories about these quote-unquote suspects, and that's the thing. Oftentimes what we forget is everyone is entitled, we're under these fuck-ass laws that are supposed to protect us and be for us. Everyone is entitled to due process. Right. So if Supposedly. he killed these cops, he allegedly killed them until you prove otherwise in a court of law. He had no due process. They just killed yeah. him and convicted him right there on the spot without conferring with anybody else. And people were like, well, he killed cops. And, then he and I'm just like, no, but he didn't have a trial that everybody is supposedly entitled to. And it's like, how many people have the U.S. government actually, like, just, like assassinated and killed without giving them due process? Saddam Hussein, <laughs> um, Osama bin Laden. And, you know, I feel really weird about that whole Osama bin Laden thing anyway, because it's like they had already supposedly killed him, like, days before they even announced it. And then they were like, yeah, he's already dead, and we buried him out at sea. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird, but I mean, I wasn't that well educated and things like that. Still, not really. So, I was but like, oh, even oh, then, it was just okay. kind of like, wait, what a minute, what? Anyway, the government was yeah. on that bullshit, and yeah. they could so easily like all of the bullshit charges that they trumped up on, like the Pension Twenty One, and like you said, these are things that we have to study from our past and learn about so we can try to evade, you know what I mean, like falling into some of the same traps. Sometimes right. it don't matter what you do. They still get your ass. But there's certain precautions that you take if you learn from the ancestors and the elders mistakes and apply them to today. And it's just like, here we are two years later, and we haven't quite been back in the war zone that was Ferguson, but we There's always in. tomorrow. <laughs> they cheer gas us last year. One year and anniversary, we got cheer gas all over again. It was crazy. And was that, I feel like people don't even understand how fucking crazy it is. One, like, tear gas has been banned in, like, war. Like, it's not so oh. easy. And that shit burns! It's, Oh my God! I'm wondering what kind of effects we're gonna suffer later in life from even inhaling that shit. This is my concern. I'm concerned about health at this point. Like, you don't know what the fuck they were firing at us. And you know what's so funny? Fourth of July is such a horrible holiday for a lot of folks who were in the streets of Ferguson because it's triggering. The sound of fireworks sounds like tear gas. Like I was freaked out really on the fourth. Like, turn that shit off. Like we deal with that. So you got the mental health care aspect that is very important. And necessary for folks to even and a lot of us really haven't dealt with that because we don't even know. You know what I mean? Don't. Like, I, like I don't even know. Like, a lot of times when I think back to those nights when we were out there in the streets, it's like almost as if it was not real. As if I'm like looking at somebody else 
having these experiences because it was that fucking crazy. You know what I mean? And, oh, and you weren't even from St. Louis or Ferguson, so to come to this area that you ain't been in, and then to get caught up in all this, and you trying to figure out how you going to make it home. Yo. Like, how you going to even make how, it home? It's crazy. My bro, my three brothers, Dre, Trey, and Chad. This is how uh, we met them. Because one night, we're out in, in the war zone that came out of nowhere. We finally, like, made it back to the car. We're in the parking lot by, like, Domino's on West Florence, I think. And we're in the back, and Tank are literally racing up and down the street. When I think about it, it's like, what the fuck was going on and why were they doing that? That is so fucking crazy. Like, what right. the fuck? They're, like, racing up, down, up and down the streets after they've attacked everybody. And for the most part, everybody's retreated, been able to duck out, you know, go, you know, here, there, wherever, you know, was the safe place, like some people at um, St. Mark's or, you know, like whatever, blah, blah, blah. Man, Joe, we in the parking lot, we can't figure out how to get out. At this point, Spooky's out in the hospital and I'm talking to her and she's watching live stream of like the strip and she's trying to guide us out but the person that was driving didn't trust what she was saying. And so we see three dudes and like and like you said earlier, you see people from all different types of backgrounds. So three young, three the hard way, young black men, you know, together. And it's like sometimes you don't know if people are what's the fucking word? Genuine or, you know, their all their motives are right. There was some folks out there that might have been That's the word yeah, that, I, that, that I was looking for. Like, I couldn't tell if their demeanor was we're agitating or, right. you know what I'm saying, or we out here for, you know, whatever. So it's just kind of like we roll the dice and we just like hop in because they were trying to tell us from the outside. It's like, no, fuck that. Hop in and guide us off and then we could take y'all to where y'all need to go. Because, like we said before, that's just how it was like instant family. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, you don't seem like an agitator, so you're family. So help us, and we're going to take you wherever you need to go. And, you know, like, they instantly became our brothers because, one, they saved us because we didn't know how the fuck we were going to get off of West Florence with no fucking tank racing left to right. You know what I'm saying? Like, where do we go? Which way do we, you know what I mean? Like, you can't, can't tell you that. And so, you know, instant family. And it's like... Of course, I met you and, like, a handful of other people when we were in Cleveland that December um, protesting for Tamir and Tanisha Anderson. Right. Um, and it's like, it was so unfortunate and so sad for me how there weren't a lot of people taking the streets with us. It was like... Now, that city was sweet. Lower Cleveland was sweet. Racist as hell. That was a horrible experience. How we got treated. But I've never experienced racism like that. No, I think that was it. just weird. Yeah. We ran down alleys and police shit. department. Lord, that was crazy. That was crazy. But hold on. But you mentioned Dre, so I gotta touch on Dre real quick because I think everybody had a unique experience. Who had the pleasure of meeting this man who's no longer with us? Some coward took his fucking life. But I met him. The second weekend of the protest, him and his brothers and a few friends were standing outside the burnt quick trip 
and I overheard some shit walk up to them asking them could they pretend to lose. This is how I knew shit was real, and we had to be our own media. She was from Southwest Missouri. She asked them if they could pretend to lose so she could get pictures to take back home because she worked, she worked for a small paper. And I overheard this shit and basically draped her the fuck off. But um, I was like, I wish I could have recorded her. He said, oh, you want to record her? And he went and kind of apologized and said some shit to get her to walk back in my direction. So he asked her, what do you want us to do? Like, the quick trip is already burnt down. And she said, look, i got to get something. I don't care what you do, um, where I come from. It's a bunch of stupid white people. They'll see the photos and say, oh, black folks misbehaving. And I heard this, and I'm like, this lady is about to make up a fake-ass story and use our brothers to fit that narrative, to get a fucking story. Like, it just blew my mind. I recorded it. The video disappeared from Facebook, but it's still on my Instagram. But that day I met them, and I'm like, yo, this is real out here. Look what they're trying to do to us. Like, look, so just seeing her do it, who knows how many other reporters did that same bullshit, and I've never seen anything like that live before in my life. So, I mean, he impacted my protest early on because I saw the importance of, man, don't let these folks tell your story. Like, they don't give a fuck about y'all. It's just, it, it's so crazy. Like, what, like, police terror has been, like, since the, like, 17th century. You know what I mean? Like, they, you know, before they were slave patrol, and it's like now they're police. And this is something that, that has, had, has happened consistently, but now the age of information and social media that we're in, people are able to take videos and pictures and, you know, whatever, and things go viral and it's brought, you know, forward to our attention, but this is not something that has been new. There's been so many cases that we heard of, so many cases that we haven't heard of, like, over the span of my entire life. You know what I mean? Like, right. in 91, it was Rodney King, you know what I'm saying? In, like, 2001, right. it was, like, um, Amadou Diallo, and then, you know, Sean Bell, and it's like, you know, then we didn't have information coming to us as fast as we do now. Now information in the news cycle is like 24 hours or less. It's coming to you rapidly. And And Lord bless smartphones. God, thank God for smartphones. And it's like, now that these things are being brought to our attention, one of the most important lessons that we can learn from August 9, 2014 is that it's important for communities to come together and stand together. Because if you as a community can't come together and stand together, then the rest of the country can't stand with you, can't be alert with you, can't, you know, take note and try to hold the state accountable with you if you don't tell what's going on. And it's like, I see all of these different stories and there's no one standing there's no community coming together to stand there and be like, we're not accepting this. This is not okay. We shall not be moved. Um, and that's, of course, is just one part of, you know, the entire process because there's so many arms and, you know, like variables that go into these things. But it's like we have to stand up for what we believe is right and what we believe is wrong. That is yes, one of the most, 
We so scary. <laughs> sometimes I feel like we, yeah. for us to be as powerful as we are, sometimes we, I feel like we've been beaten to submission for so long that people are comfortable with their little coins or whatever little thing, little bit of freedom or whatever the fuck you want to call it, but they don't want to do anything. They don't want to shake up their little comfort zone. And I'm sorry this today, possible. Like, I got a 14-year-old son. When he walks outside the door by himself every day, I'm always thinking about Mike Brown and Trayvon and Tamir. This shit does not go away for me, ever. So, I mean, it's hard. It's like, it can always be I you. I think about always it for myself because yeah, there's, oh, yeah. there's, you know what I mean, corn games. There's, you know, like the Bukia boy, you know, the list. Yeah, been drinking, <laughs> so my list is not yeah. coming together in my head correctly. But you know, um, there's, I mean, it's not even just I worry about my nephews or I worry about you know my brothers, my uncles. I'm worrying about my sisters. I'm worried about my my girl cousins, my mama. You know what I mean? Like they're like age and sex and you know gender. None of none of that is exempt. And one of the things. Like I like you said, the number one thing that we can learn from Ferguson two years ago is that you have to stand for something and you cannot be afraid. And when I got out there the first night when we were full live in the fucking middle of war, it was like I had no time to be scared because none of the no. youngest, none of the old people, none of the young, like, none of the in-between, nobody was scared. When I looked to my left and my right, everybody nah. was out there like, what? What? People were ready. What? And that was, that was important. I think that, that was important for the folks that were on the ground because you learned what you were made of. Like, maybe not necessarily learn what you were made of, but you well, yeah, no, I do mean that. Because it's like, if you can handle that, I know for me, you can handle handle anything. So there's not a whole lot that bothers me anymore. It's like, dude, y'all face down case. You understand me? Most folks ain't never experienced shit like that. All types of shit that I can't identify. (laughs) Yeah. And it was like, you know, I I remember once the guard came to occupy it even like shifted then, like to the like even heavier presence that was there at night, and it was just kind of like at first I was like, "Oh my God, we might die." Then I looked to my left and I looked to my right, and nobody gave a fuck, or nobody was thinking about that. I was like, "Oh yeah, we like we out here," and that that feeling immediately faded. It was like, "What what's up?" So it's like you can learn and be scared, but you can die anyway, or you can not, you know, you can stand you can stand for something, and it's gonna cost you something. And in that moment, you was just ready for it. Like it's hard to describe that feeling. You just you was just ready for whatever was about to happen, but you knew you was because you everybody were else was. Right, you know, all together. Like, we don't we don't go down together. Right, we're going down together. And everybody yeah. trusted in each other in that way. And then it's just like the second most important lesson from Ferguson two years ago is that we must tell our own stories. We have to control our own our own narratives. And you know, Ferguson was able to do that via Ferguson and hands up, don't shoot hashtag. 
And it's like, I tell people all the time that we think we have these rights and, you know, we have access to the internet and, you know, social media networks, the hashtag, whatever. But what I learned in Baltimore is they can jam up the system and you might not be able to get through. So when you're trying to tell your story via social media, it might not happen if they're restricting, you know what I mean, like the cell towers or whatever because, you know, they're jamming up with their equipment or whatever or they're purposely doing it. Remember those, man, when your phone starts acting up, I mean, that just, I remember, and I said, like, what is going on with our phones? Oh, we couldn't log on the space. So I know we had it first, and I can't And that can happen. You know, so it's like we have to be in control of our own narrative, but we also have to move away from depending solely on social media. So True. there was a coup in Turkey, like, last month. And Turkey like restricted people's use of social media like and the internet so it was like you could have they could have tried to control their narrative and tell their story on social media or you know like whatever like during that period but the country restricted their use and they couldn't do it yeah it's like we look at those places and we think oh but america is you know the free world or whatever No, no 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 it is until it ain't. And we have to get in the habit of supporting each other in our immediate community, supporting people long distance, and, like, really figure out how to tell our narratives, not just on social media, but in general. Like, before we, we you know, in the 60s and the 50s and, you know, whatever, we depended on the black press. But now, right. because of the age of information and, you know, like all these different, you know, factors, we've lost a lot of those newspapers and, you know, like a lot of, you know, those platforms that we once had, we once had, we don't have those anymore. But it's like, how do we reconstruct something? How do we reignite, you know, like our black press? Because... That's going to be essential as we move forward, and we know that they have the power to block us from using H, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. We need a form of communication that you just said it, is though. going to work for us. Support. That is, God, that word is it's so important. People don't understand. If we just supported each other, man, we can move some fucking mountains. That's our problem is. We've been taught for so long not to rely on everybody but us. It's like, I'm not going to say, I don't want to say it's starting from scratch, but it's a whole lot of unlearning we have to do to get to community. Like, we got to have each other's back. We have to trust each other to have each other's back. And then I think we can do some shit. But it's just, man, that's hard. It shouldn't be hard, but it is. And that's the thing. People always talk about... um Oh, we should boycott this. We should boycott that. But if I'm like, but if you don't talk, if you, I don't have a relationship with you, and you're right. not providing me any alternative, I'm gonna do what I need to do for me. And all that shit that you're talking don't mean nothing to me. It does. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, and so it's just like we have to come together, literally, 
to support each other at every turn at every level. And if we want to have, I mean, and it starts with building community, and we don't have that. We just don't. It's crabs like, in a barrel. Man. You know what I mean? I, I think mean, the problem is we're scared of supporting each other. I mean, I'm not scared, but some folks are in competition. We are sometimes in competition with each other more than we support each other because we're scared, some of us are, that there are not enough seats at the table, and that is killing us. Like, if I get up, it's my job, I feel, to reach my hand down and pull you up and put you on and vice versa because ain't nobody else going to do it for us. We got to get out of this idea that I'm trying to get mine. I got to make sure it's enough for me. Like, nothing is enough for all of us if we just work together and, like, get past this crabs in the barrel bullshit. So that's uh, it's just, yeah, that's how I feel about them. Like, help put your brother and your sister on. Support what they're doing. That's support what you're doing. Everybody got their season. Like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about who seem to be getting shined right now. And then whatever your endeavors are in activism or whatever business ain't popping off the way you want it to, which you shouldn't be worried about that. But, I mean, we're dealing with a lot of it. Like, I don't know, man. It's crazy. We gotta bring our communities back. Like, you, you want to boycott, but you don't even speak to the people that, you know what I'm saying, that you see every day that look like you. Right. And I, suddenly you want me to give up my comfort to life and the things that I do. I don't know you. Who the fuck are you? You got my mama? Go ahead, John. What? Have you ever heard folks make the comments, though? I mean, about why they won't shop? With black businesses, which I think is hilarious, because y'all talk about Black oh Wall God. Street, but it's like, bruh. This shit out of people. Trying to get a discount saying they charge too much. No, they ain't charging too much. Black folks charging what they worth, and you don't want to pay for it, but you will not go I mean, to a white business or that. anybody else and negotiate. It's not even that. You can go to Walmart and get shit for dirt cheap because Walmart bullies these companies. In, around the world, and they bully them into giving them these low prices, and because they buy it at low price, meaning that they can sell it at a lower price and still make a profit. Sure. Whereas black people are buying this shit, and you know what I mean, like they're not getting a discount, they're not getting, you know what I mean, like they don't have access to buy at a low price like these larger companies do. Um, in order to, you know, set a price and still make a profit. So they have to charge, you know, more than these other places. It's like, it's not just about, oh, people trying to get rich. It's like, oh, I'm trying to at least make a profit so I can pay my employees and the bills, you know, to operate and run this place. And then, like, so I can actually feed my family as well. Like, because this is what I do. And so it's like, when you look at it like that, like, come on, Sam, like, yeah, it's going to cost more because it costs them more to buy from jump opposed to somebody else. But even places but, outside of Walmart that ain't got low prices, if it ain't us, we won't even question it. We'll pay for it a lot of times. Right. But this is we true. always talk down on our own business. Well, they got bad customer service. Seriously? Talk about the nail shops y'all go to or stores where they follow your ass around the minute you come in, but you take that shit. So stop. Like, I just, I can't with that. And it's so crazy that we always question our own people, but we don't think to question anybody else. We just do it. Two years so, later, two years. we have to 
we have to like really work on controlling our own narratives, work on rebuilding our communities, working on standing for what we believe in, no matter what. Literally. And it's like once we can stand up for some shit and find support from other people for standing up in that shit. And then keeping our stories and our whereabouts and our happenings, you know what I mean, like in our control, us telling our own stories. Like, like once we can do that, we'll have we'll be able to leverage a little bit more power. Absolutely. Um, it won't it won't happen overnight. Um, I mean, although I'm. If it did, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> literally, we gotta control our own narrative. We gotta tell our own stories. We have to stop listening to mainstream media and the lies that they tell. Yeah, mainstream media has chosen the people. people. Yeah. I'm always trusting the people. When, yeah. I mean, you know, like, in every, in every crisis that we've had in the African-American community in the last 10 years, the media, the media, the state, the government, all of these entities have, like, worked, like, tirelessly to, like, frame our community as this shit. Like, even when you look at like Hurricane Katrina, what was that? Eleven years ago? Yeah. Ooh, wow. There was so much in the news. And 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 I right. And and there was so much in the news and I was foolish enough because I wasn't at the level of conscious that I am now to like believe the news. And the news was painting these stories as like you know, this stuff is bad, but at the end of the day it was all these poor black people, they ain't have shit, they won't never be shit. And like them being dispersed into these other places is giving them opportunities that they would have never had. Because it was poor and it was black and they didn't have shit. And I believed that for months. And it happened to be like Brandy sitting up in my room one night watching MSNBC or some shit. And there was this white lady that was doing an expose on the insurance companies and how they were fucking people over on the golf, on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi in like some small ass place that was her hometown. And so it started talking about how like, you know, there may have been water damage to the place and they may have had coverage for water damage, but the insurance company would be like, no, that was wind damage and we didn't have wind insurance. And when I saw how they were dicking these white people over, I was like, it hit me that they had been lying to me the whole time about how all these people was poor and broke and they ain't have shit and them being able to move outside of New Orleans was the best thing that was ever going to happen to that. It was a lie because most people that live in the ninth, the seventh, eighth war, these people own their fucking property, their house. They're homeowners. But the news was like, yeah, they they ain't have shit. And I was just like, oh, yeah, good for them. They finally got some shit that they never would have had. 
But it was all lies. And when I, when I realized that, that's when I knew that I couldn't depend on mainstream media no more. We just can't. We have to move away from it. And you question everything. That's what's funny about it now. People love to be like, yeah, you know, I'm conscious and I'm walking and all that stuff. Which is all cool. But some days it's like, I guess, just like knowing that fact, how bad they lie, it's hard because you can't listen to shit. Like, you don't listen, you, you ain't trying to hear shit nobody tell you. You question everything to the point where sometimes it's exhausting because you always figuring shit out and the light bulbs constantly click on and it's like, damn, we in the matrix. Like, get me out of the fucking twilight zone. I cannot do this. Like, it's exhausting. The length they go to that make us look the way they do. And, yeah, you gotta love America. You really do. <laughs> See that? I love America. God Don't you know? Bless America. Uh, no, fuck that. Right. I need to find me a new place to go. An American flag robber. Listen, if any of you ain't had me out here on some, we ain't free until we all free fight shit, but uh, Mama Fanny, I might have to leave you motherfuckers right here where y'all at. I'm going to find me another place. I'm going to find me another place where uh, a concentrated group of uh, people from the diaspora live. I'm going to move to Brazil or some shit because, um, well, they shit. They deal with police brutality. Yeah, anyway, I'm going to move to Egypt. I'm going to go live among the Muslims. And, um, Ramadan and all of that shit. I'm gonna start fasting. I'm moving. I can't, I can't stay here no more. I'm well, you barely here I'm anyway. We ready for We know you leaving. We don't expect you to stay long. You had a taste of too much. Shit, I thought I was gonna stay. Like, I'm gonna stay and struggle. No, I'm gonna <laughs> struggle somewhere else. I got to get the fuck up out of here. America is some shit, man. Every day, man, it's getting worse. And people are so, I don't know, like, just out of it and just trying to make it, really. And I ain't even mad at you. I but think most people they already enough. make it. I think people that got, like, these corporate jobs or got a little something think that they honestly have already made it. So, like... I don't understand, especially, I feel like D.C. should be already up in arms. Anybody, matter of fact, anybody living in D.C., um, the Northern Virginia area, um, the whole state of Maryland, because cost of living is so fucking high here, everybody should be on, on, on like, fuck you, America, fighting shit around this motherfucker because, man, listen, the price... We pay, and then, like, people be out here, and it's like, you make good money, but if you out here making $70,000 a year in D.C., that's right. poverty. You're living in like, poverty. What's good money in D.C., really? It ain't 70. I can tell you that. It's from personal decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in privacy like a motherfucker right now. Look. <laughs> There are folks talking about 1500 for an apartment. I'm like, you can have that. You can have Man, it. that's low end, depending on where the fuck you're at. Yeah. Mm-mm. And, I mean, for me, I'm just out here like, listen, what? Like, I'm out here like, Trey Songz, just kind of make it to Friday. Look. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> And I work seven whole days. I, I, you know, like I, like I make 
money. And if I was making this amount of money and lived in like St. Louis or some shit, I'd be balling out, out of control. I'd be out here like, Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Because you work um, too damn much to be talking about being broke. Yeah, Impoverished. And I ain't too proud to be out this motherfucker. I feel like TLC. I'm out here like, I'm out here living like TLC with the seven days a week. Broke is a motherfucking joke. Just trying to make it. And then, squeezing in a few reparation breaks. Man, in August, man, two years ago, it was right before class started. When class started, I I picked up another job. I was working, I was working three motherfucking jobs. I was Crazy. in school, and I was like protesting, and organizing, and shutting down the streets every fucking night, and getting locked up, and all types of shit. It's too like, much. I don't know what I was doing. Um, self care. You weren't even thinking you were doing it. We all were. It didn't matter if it didn't make sense. You just did it. Now it's like, what the hell did I do? And where do I go from here? I'm trying to get my life together and just adjust to how things are. And now what do we do moving forward? Like, even just thinking about that in your quiet time is draining. That's why I thought I didn't have quiet time. Yeah. <laughs> but that's because really that hitty nice is loud. That hitty is loud. Two years later, life lessons for real. We have to control our own narrative, and we can't just depend on social media. Yeah. Although it's yeah. a good tool, as long as we can use it. Ferguson was a prime example of that because, granted, the media was still on some bullshit, but it really right. forced them to report. Um, whereas where they wouldn't have in in other cases, um, stand for something like for real, like and stand with everyone around you. Like I mean, even if it's just you, somebody else will stand up next to you eventually at some point. Don't right. be afraid. Do not be afraid. What's right. the worst that can happen? Shit, you might die anyway. Look, I right. that so, so casually, literally. Sad. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, for real, seriously. It's one day, yeah. yeah, just, yeah, and build community, speak to people, get to know people, start to have more trust in yourself and in, in people, like, because without community, we can't do, we ain't shit. Like, yo, Ferguson, it be some ups and some downs. And some crashes, but there's a community among people. Like, I know, you know, the community is just like everybody a little different neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, y'all gotta forgive me as I'm driving through these sticks. Lord. But, I mean, like, yeah, like I was saying, like, people have, um, every, every little group in Nook and Nanny is like a, a, a cray. Um, it's like a, a neighborhood, and it's like granted. Sometimes it's a little rough around the edges, but ultimately, at the end of the day, y'all can come together as a community because it's like something that has been established. Yeah. Um, it might be some pressure throw, <laughs> but that Look. happens at every family reunion. It, you know, somebody might catch some jams. It's fine. 
Two years later, for real, seriously, we have to really focus on building community right where we are. We have to focus on controlling our narrative because we can't depend on anybody else to tell our story but us. And we have to stand up for something, seriously, for real, dead ass. And look, and look out for each other because they out, I mean, the minute you challenge a system, we've seen what's happened multiple times. Like, you got to have each other's back. Like, you got to be ready to ride to each other. Because they're ready to ride on us. Like, for real, for real. And it's I just, still just cannot believe I took my back ass to fucking first and fourth and three eternities. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Bucks. <laughs> I didn't know the motherfuckers from what? It's nuts. You know what I mean? Think about it. You you built a whole, in the end, you built a whole new was, family that you didn't even know. I was thinking to myself, <laughs> while we were riding there, when I was, like, reflecting on, like, points of history, I was like, this is some shit that motherfuckers from SNCC would have did. Like, oh, there's a ride leaving, and catch a ride with these motherfuckers, and, like, get to know them on the way. I was you know, like, well, we got 13 hours to get to know each other. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> Who you with? What's your name again? <laughs> <laughs> what is your birthday in case they snatch you up? What's your and, government name? Right. Do you write have an emergency number? Write this jail support number on your arm. Are you on medication of any kind? We need to know. I'm the person that's like, don't write it on your arm because they can wipe it off. You need to write it underneath your clothes. Yeah, the sanitizer and shit. Yeah. We shouldn't even have to know this shit. That's what's crazy. Why do we even know this information? Why do we even have these conversations? Because the state will go to war with your ass at any given point. They do not give a fuck. But... Those are all things that we encourage everybody to meditate on. There's a lot of other messy shit that we get into um, with the police <laughs> and they bullshit with, you know, us and our bullshit. I mean, our bullshit. Is- <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like, who has a family reunion without some drama? And if you say it's you, then your family fucking stupid. And y'all all fake and not being real. As long as don't nobody on the outside come fucking with your family, we good. Work on community, y'all. Like, for real, we really got to work in community. We really have to, like, reflect on things from the past, like events from the past. And even the recent past, because, like, Ferguson is something that we could study. Like, and it's also a point that... I would argue to remind us that we need to connect with our brothers and sisters throughout the diaspora because when people are being tear gassed and all of that shit is shot at in Ferguson, like there are people in Palestine and like all over the world that were right. sending messages to people like, this is how you treat X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 because People no, seriously. Oh my all of this crazy shit around the world. Yes. We literally, like, this is what Brother Malcolm was on. This is what W.E. Du Bois individually got on. This is what Sophie Carmichael, a.k.a. Kwame Ture, got on. Like, pan-Africanism. 
we have to reach out and learn and grow and build with our local, our state, our national, our international brothers and sisters. Like, literally, it's a requirement because we all have skills and knowledge that we can, you know what I mean, like, use to fight against these systems of oppression. I think that's saying out loud and understanding. Maybe you understand it for stuff, but you don't have all the answers. Be clear, because you was in Ferguson, you don't have all the answers. I think that's the part where humbling yourself. No, when I got to Baltimore, no matter of fact, when, I, when we got to Cleveland, this, I do not know all the answers. Right. <laughs> because <laughs> all situations and people are different. You got to adjust how you deal with people. Like, all of that shit's important. So, I mean, the fucking devils in Cleveland? Listen. That was a special breed. I, that's like a special breed of racist. I don't know why Cleveland is the way it is, but, I mean, maybe that's why it's like, are y'all going to the RNC? Oh, no. I'm not afraid. I'm just not, I just don't have time for that shit. No. No, I don't understand how folks voluntarily went into that space. I don't get it. At all. For what? For folks again. Oh, no, man. But it'll be an interesting election. This shit should be fun. Man, fuck the election and fuck the country. Fuck both of y'all. I mean, you know, people are going to be like, oh, our ancestors died for you to vote. Nobody said we weren't voting, bitch. We said fuck it. Just <laughs> <laughs> like people be like, man, fuck my grandma and that bullshit. I'm not going over there to do that shit. But you're going to go right on over to grandma's house and do what the fuck she said, dude. So, right. you know, <laughs> moping and grumbling the whole damn right. time. Right. Exactly. like walking over to that joint. <laughs> exactly. So it is what it later, is. There's a lot to reflect on, a lot to reflect on from moments of the past, from movements of the past. Um, oh, no. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting landscape that we have here in we would have to do like a series of podcasts to really break down Ferguson and fuckery from the state and the government and all the tricks that they plan and continue to play and the charges that people continue to face from two years ago. Like, yeah. oh man, it's, it's just so much and there's so many layers and like, so many layers. It's a lot. It's, it, it, it's a lot. And mm-hmm. it's people need to know out here, like it's real out here. Folks think that some people enjoy this shit and that it's all glamorous and it's fun. And it's like, there's, there's nothing exciting about this. Me personally, I will barely go out to the gym before this. Marching on many miles ain't fun. I, it is not enjoyable. It might look like it because the vibe that St. Louis Ferguson has is just kind of a different breed, but no. It's not fun. Yeah. Y'all, I mean, y'all definitely turn, turned up. Like, hey. I got out there. I was like, wait, what? Hold on. Turn up. Don't turn down. We do this. We do oh this for Mike Brown. We like to dance. The same little thing. Like, don't turn down. Man. We do this for Mike Brown. And then I come back home to Kansas where I live now. I hear folks trying to say the chant, 
and fuck it up. And I hear myself getting irritated. I'm like, all right, I get it. Never mind. At least you're saying it. You sort of kind of acknowledge it. But, yeah, it's just people mm-hmm. understanding what really happened out here. Folks are still not um, understanding and grasping what people experienced in them earlier days and just how crazy it was. War. War. And how it affects folks mental today. Like, people still, you know? Literally. They're war. All folks with signs and chants. War. Yeah. But, such is America. Speaking of war and wrap it up, if you haven't already, see, I dropped the song on like August 5th. It's like, we will not. I heard it for the first time, like, three days later, and I was listening to it and had to, like, recheck and be like, is this him? (laughs) 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 Yo, the song is like, yo, we will, like, live on our feet. We not going to die on our knees. Fuck the government. They up to these tricks and... You look, know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, wait, 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 um, you got Usher and Nas with the song Change. You got Janelle mm-hmm. Monet with Hell You Talking About. You got like Kendrick and Beyonce with Freedom. You got Kendrick with All Right. And it's like some of these songs have like picked up a little wind, but not for real. You know what I mean? Like not on the same magnitude of like yeah regular shit they release. And I'm just like. And then even, like, during that fall, like, maybe during, like, this whole, like, war in Ferguson, remember, like, Yo Gotti? Everybody here. Remember Yo Gotti and, like, all of them artists? Yeah. Like, 10, 15 of them artists who got up on the track, um, Hands Up, Don't Shoot, or Don't Shoot, yeah. or whatever the track was. And it's like, nobody yeah. ever did onto that song. It was like everybody that was hot in the game. Everybody that was hot in the game was on that joint. Big Walls, like, 2 chains, DJ. I was like, wait a minute, no. I think a lot of people in St. Louis at that time were kind of questioning major artists that made a song but maybe didn't come to Ferguson. Like, to me, I feel the person that was the most overlooked was J. Cole, who I swear to God, I should have married. He should have been my husband. But before people knew what Ferguson was and they were scared to risk their careers for it, you had folks like him that came out on the ground, low-key, marching with the people just out there, like fellowship. Yeah, they looked like he had been hit, like he had been ran over twice. But really, I seriously. Him in the in the parking lot at Wendy's and him and Boz and, like, some other people from Dreamville, and it was like, you could tell that he wasn't there for Stanfield or nothing. Um, yeah. Because he looked a hot ass man. But, I mean, the way he looked was indicative of how he felt, I'm sure, about right. everything that was going on. And it was just kind of like you saw him and you could see a black man that felt connected and that felt hurt, like, yeah. fucked up. 
And he gave us a oh. shout-out. At the very end of this album, he does the credits on the album, and he gave us a shout-out. And it was like, oh, that is so dope. Like, I so appreciate you because you did it when you didn't know what was going to happen and how it might affect your career because it wasn't part of popular pop culture to be conscious and a woke artist. You know what I'm saying? So he did it early. Like, when outside of Common and John Legend and, you know, Jesse Williams, of course, nobody else was really going in. So I loved him. I mean, I loved him anyways. But for that mess, like, he could have got a whole batch of babies out of me. I, I'll give shit. Like, I love him. I love that shit. Good people fight for her. Deal Look, I love him. <laughs> Deal community control your narrative, our narrative, the narrative, and stand up for something, like, for real. And, and don't be fucking afraid to do it. And support people so that they feel comfortable in standing up yep. for what they believe in. Like, people need support in order to do that. So those are all things that we should work on. And, you know, this is the time that we should reflect on, like, a real um, poignant moment for blacks in America, August 9th, 2014, um, the day that... Mike Brown just transitioned after he was murdered cold blood by a fucking pig. And fuck the police. I can't, I can't say that enough. Like, I, I really. Like, you never do. I, I, can tell them, I can tell them in their face, you know, like, I can put it on social media. I can practice it everywhere. I can get another tattoo on my body. Like, I really, instead <laughs> of saying F12, I really should have said fuck 12. Because fuck 12, man. Like, fuck, fuck 12. Welcome. Um, until next time, black people, we out. Peace. Yes. <laughs>